Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Thank you, band, and just uh, appreciate all the folks that serve to make uh, a Sunday morning happen, from our AV teams to worship teams and uh, host teams. Just thankful for uh, for all of you, thankful for you uh, this morning being part of our time together. If you're a guest with us this morning, we're so grateful uh, for your presence, so grateful that you're here. and We'd love to uh, just connect uh, with you. We invite you to uh, stop by our connect table as you leave and just spend uh, some time uh, there just learning a bit uh, about us and uh, we have a gift for you there. So again, so grateful for just the privilege of worshiping together. Uh, this morning we have uh, a special treat as uh, Jack shared earlier, uh, Maitland Ruiz is going to be sharing a bit this morning from her time uh, in uh, Togo, West Africa, and uh, man, it certainly challenged my heart this morning, and uh, I want to pray for her and pray for us that we might uh, be open-handed to what God might um, speak to us this morning and where he might uh, call us on mission for the glory of his name. So let's pray uh, this morning. Father, we are so grateful, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, you are great and greatly to be praised. And Lord, we come recognizing, Lord, that our uh, weapon in the midst of this battle with worry and midst of all the, the burdens that we face, Lord, is worship to your great name, Lord. And so we come in worship this morning, Father. And we come, we, we ask you, Lord, to help us to lay down those burdens, Lord, that, that we carry in, Lord, that even in these moments, Lord, as we enter into this time, Lord, that we might just declare in our hearts, Lord, I trust you with this, Lord, whatever it is that uh, we're weary, whatever needs that we might have, Lord. And we pray, God, that in the power of your spirit, God, that you might speak to us, Lord, that you might challenge us, Lord, that you might remind us of what it looks like to deny ourselves and follow Christ. And Lord, may you help us to leave this place changed. God, not because of any words that, uh, God, that just come from, from man, Lord, but from the power of your spirit, God, and from your word as we um, just, just lean into what you're doing, God, all over this world. Father, we love you. We thank you for Maitland, Lord. I thank you for the, the blessing that she is uh, to me and to our church, Lord. I thank you that uh, you've allowed us to be able uh, Lord, just to be part of all the work, God, that you're doing and have done in and through her, Lord. So we pray, God, for your blessing on her uh, as she shares today. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, hi, my name is Maitland Ruiz. For those of you who don't know me, um, I've been a member here for a few years. Um, and today I'm going to share about my time in Togo, West Africa. But a little bit about me first. I study biology with a minor in chemistry at Western. Um, I said earlier in the early service that it was a little bit nerdy, um, but <laughs> I enjoy it very much. So, um, I got to go to this wonderful place in West Africa called Togo. It's this very tiny country. Um, it's below Burkina Faso, which some of us are familiar with, um, but it's a bit smaller, and it's right on the coast. The people there, they speak French mostly, but they also have a tribal language. They have many, but the most common is Eve, and I only know a few words in Eve, so <laughs> I'm not going to try um, to say anything, but a little bit of the background of Togo. The religion there, or what they devote their attention and time to, is voodoo. So they often, and this is, can be referred to as um, 
dark magic. A lot of times they have idols that they sacrifice to, and sometimes these are sacrifices in the form of animals or just certain things that are valuable to them. Uh, we entered a village one time and went through an arena in our car just where they would sacrifice and do these rituals and things. And I heard people talk about the weight of these areas, just the weight they hold. And I was like, yeah, whatever, you know. You guys are just making this stuff up. But I entered in, and it was like the weight on my shoulders was so heavy of just the darkness in the area of there's light there, but um, it's very heavy in dark areas. So on this trip, I worked with the Sixth Degree Initiative, which is just a team that has certain goals, and one of their goals is church planning. So I got to work in that section specifically with little kids um, through kids' camps. As I said earlier, I was there for eight weeks, so for the first four weeks, it was mainly work days, and Africa is hot, very hot, um, and we went in the cooler season, so lots of sweaty days, but for good things, um, keeping maintenance up on churches, such as painting doors or cleaning up um, bricks that had been just crumbled, um, just keeping the building that the church meets in very nice. We also did a soccer field. I don't know. Okay, it's probably passed by. Um, but we leveled out a field and dug trenches and then put tires in them and painted them. And this was um, a soccer field that was used on Saturdays a lot of times to share the gospel. And one of my teammates, he's actually in the back right now, um, was able to share the gospel. And 11 people responded. Um, so I'm just thankful to know that that our hands were able to work with something that will continue to be um, a boat that the gospel will be shared with. It's such a blessing. Earlier um, this morning, I was reminded in the early service of just, yet not I, but through Christ in me. It was nothing on myself, um, but just obedience to what Christ commands us to do in his word that I was used this summer, and we we're all used to spread his gospel. So I just want to say that before I get deeper into this. Our last three to four weeks of Togo, we did kids' camps, and this is like VBS. Um, but now coming back to the U.S. and seeing VBS, I'm like, that's VBS on steroids um, here because we have snacks here and crafts, and we didn't do that over there. Um, but it was just gospel presentations and amazing one-on-one -on -one time of just spending time with these kids and telling them the truth. They may have never heard the name Jesus, but after that week, they had heard it many times. So during the eight weeks I was there, we saw over 200 people come to Christ. And yeah, it's amazing. So during these kids' camps, we had three um, weeks of nine to 15-year-olds. Uh, so there was like an age limit, but there was always flexibility in that. So we had a lot of time with some younger people that will be the leaders of the future church, which is very um, hope-giving and inspiring. The last week we had a teen camp as well, and there were less attendance, but still some amazing conversations that went on there. 
I have a hard time saying my favorite in anything in life. Like, I have a hard time identifying my favorite movie or my favorite snack or anything. But a moment in this trip that was just stood out to me so well was we had the opportunity, my teammate and I, Leah, um, she was the only other girl on the trip. We had this opportunity to go to a new church plant. And when I say new, I mean two or three months old that the people that we call the church was meeting, and they had a building for um, less time than that. And their building was made out of um, palm fronds <laughs> and different trees, so much different than this, but still a church was gathered. And at this church, the lady that was leading the 45 to 60 kids that we worked with on that Sunday had been a believer for 10 weeks, and she was leading 60 little kids and doing the best she could, just telling them the truth that she knew. Um, so we came, and my friend Leah had prepared 15 minutes of Romans 10, 12, just the responsibility that we have in life and the account that the, we will all give to God someday. So Leah finishes up, and our leader looks at us and goes, all right, you still have an hour and a half. And I'm standing there with my Bible and my water bottle, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is the time to share the gospel now. <laughs> So um, I'm going to use this board over here real quick to share. But. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So this Saturday before this Sunday, I went to a leadership meeting with some Togolese, um, and we talked about different ways to evangelize. And I learned the bridge illustration here, and I had heard it before, but it really just clicked with me on this Saturday. So this Sunday, when I had the opportunity for an hour and a half to share the gospel with little kids that had never heard the name Jesus, I decided to share this. Sorry. <laughs> All right, so I started, also imagine this, um, 45 to 60 kids sitting right here in front of me. We're on level ground and everything, and they're sitting on plastic mats, <laughs> and we're under a tree, and there's just wilderness around us. There's some cows grazing out back, like <laughs> these cows are just chilling, and we're having children's church right here, and we don't speak the same language. I'm speaking in English. This missionary is translating to French, and that translated to Eve, the tribal language. <laughs> so three different languages right there. And so I didn't have a nice whiteboard like this, but I had my shoes and some dirt, so I drew this out in the dirt. And um, the kids in the front could see, but they got the gist. So I started by saying, in the beginning, God created the whole world and everything in it. He created man, and he created Adam and Eve first. At this time, Adam and Eve had a relationship with God. There was nothing that separated them from God. They could come to him at any time. There was nothing that hindered that relationship. But, as we all know, sin entered the world, Genesis chapter 3. And that caused a divide between us and God. This is us. This is God. In Togo, uh, a lot of people ride motos, which are like motorcycles, but a little bit 
like less with the fancy stuff. And so <laughs> I always use this imagery saying, all right, imagine you're riding your motor down the road and someone's like, stop, 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 stop. And so you stop your car and they're like, thank you for stopping because there's this huge hole in the road and no one can get anything across it. Like we need to get to the other side, but there's just this huge hole. So you're like, ah, I got this. I can just lay a plank across and drive my motor across. So you throw that stick across there and you look down and it's a deep abyss and there's nothing that you can do to get across, but you need this to get across over here because there's something valuable and not in the sense of monetary value or anything else, but this is life-giving um, to have this relationship. So you need to get across this road, but you're like, how? There's no way I could, or you think. So this gap, as I said earlier, between us and God is sin. So I read Romans 3.23. I'm going to apologize for my handwriting now. Um, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We fall short. There's nothing we can do to mend this gap between us and God that sin creates. We know in Romans 6.23... The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, salvation in Christ Jesus our Lord. This sin right here is equal to death. If you ride your moto into that hole, you will not survive at all. So how do we cross then? Um, and it's not simply crossing, but a metaphor for a lifelong relationship with um, God. So then I share John Ooh, 316. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, sh whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And that sounds great. So how do we have a relationship with God? Romans 10, 9. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. A lot of times in um, West African culture, it's kind of like the cover all the bases. We do it here too, where it's Jesus plus something, and that is not, it cannot stand. Jesus is the only way that we can have a relationship with God. So we always make sure to say Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given to mankind under heaven by which we must be saved. There is no way that we can add anything to Jesus that will get us, allow us to have a relationship with Jesus or with God through Jesus Christ's blood on the cross. Ooh, sorry. So, after I shared this, thirty kids were really interested in um, hearing more about this, so they stayed afterwards. And my leader asked some deeper questions. Can there be more than one king in a village? They're like, no, no way. That would just be terrible. It's like, all right, there's only room for one God in your heart. Only room for one. Is Jesus the king of your life? And some were not okay to do that at that time, so they left. But there were about 11 who stayed and gave their life to Christ that day. Um, so it was just a blessing to be able to be a part of that. And as Pastor Jason was referring to earlier, it's amazing that God uses us when he doesn't have to. He could do it all on his own. He doesn't need us, but he uses us, and it's a blessing that he does use us.
So I mentioned kid camps, and we did one at this same church that I shared this, the newer church plant, and it was a four-day long camp, and it was crazy and fun, and a lot of kids heard the gospel. And over those four days, 91 kids came to Christ. That's almost half of the people that we saw come to Christ in summer, in four days. There's nothing in our own power by man that we could have done that. That's God. There's no way we could have ever. It's just such a blessing to see that. And one more story from this um, church. There was a woman, they were worshiping, I don't know if it's flipped through, but it was in their Palm Tree Church building where the church meets, and she stood up one Sunday and said, thank you for telling us the truth. We've been living in darkness, and we had no clue there was this light. We've been sacrificing to these gods and these idols because we thought that was the right way, and now we know, and we can tell others that that's not the right way, that life is found in Jesus Christ, and that is the right way. And in that moment, I just look back still, and I'm like, how could we not go and tell them? How can we not tell the lost who finds us? Like, how can we not tell them in the name of Jesus Christ? One of um, my sweet friends over there, her name's Suzanne, and she's an IMB missionary, and she loves sharing the gospel. There's different ways to present the gospel. Last week, we saw the three circles. This week, bridge. Um, but the way she shares the gospel is through the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness. And you can see people in the kingdom of darkness. Darkness, It's here, too. It is. Um, but over there, it's so evident because their idols are sitting right there where ours can be in our hands as our phones or many different things. Um, but it's seeing a life change through that that only Jesus Christ can do. And this summer wasn't all about serving. It was about serving. But I also learned a lot. Thank you, thanks to the um, missionaries and just everyone over there that poured so many hours into me, mentoring me, and just pouring into me. And so one of the things I learned this summer that will impact me for the rest of my life was to live with my hands wide open. Before I came on this trip, I thought I had, I knew I had a heart for missions, and I still do. But I thought it would be so specific in where I was supposed to be, like this direct call. Like one day I'd wake up in the middle of the night and hear God's voice say, all right, Maitland, you're supposed to move to Togo, West Africa in two years and be a doctor there. But it's not that clear. <laughs> and I don't know if it ever will be. It'd be great if it was, but it may not be. Um, so I learned to live with my hands wide open, saying I'm not going to cling to any relationship any idea of what I think my life should look like or anything, but just saying, God, wherever you want me to go, I will go in obedience because your word commands me to. <laughs> and I know the plans that you have for my life are so much better than the ones that I could possibly imagine for myself. I also want to tell you about one of my friends, Charles, over there. He's, I think, 19, so the same age as me. And school works a little bit different over there, but he's going to be, I think, an electrician. And while Charles is in high school, he was um, sharing the gospel quite often. So much so, in the past couple of years, he's led 200 people to Christ, his classmates, 200 classmates. So... 
one of our missionaries was talking with him, and he's like, Charles, 200 people is a lot of people to share the gospel with and have them accept Jesus Christ. Like, thank you for sharing this. And he's like, yeah, but what about the people who haven't heard? All those people who haven't, that I haven't shared with yet. And he had the opportunity um, to move to a different school, and some people were like, oh, man, I bet you're sad about that. He's like, nope, more people to share with. So there are so many national leaders over there that are just eager to share the gospel with others, the truth, because there's darkness and they know light. One last story um, for today. There's this program over there called TTI, Timothy Training Initiative, and it's the idea that there's a Paul, a Timothy, and a Titus, and these Togolese men will enter the um, TTI institution and they will become church planners. And through this, it's like almost a discipleship chain. And this is how national leaders are raised up to plant churches. So one of the church planners from TTI is like, he sees a village. He's like, okay, I think we should plant a church there. You can't just plant a church anywhere, you know. Um, you have to go ask for permission from the chief. And a lot of times the chief is also the witch doctor of the tribe or the group. And so voodoo's here and the gospel is here and they don't go inside because there's only one Jesus, right? And um, Jesus plus nothing else or minus nothing. Anyway, so <laughs> the church planner goes into the village and he's like, talking to the witch doctor slash chief, and he's like, I really want to plant a, or a church in your village. Witch doctor's like, no, no way. There's not room for that here. So the church planner goes back home, and I should mention that most people in Togo have cell phones, so they can just talk very easily with one another. So that night, the witch doctor has a brother. Brother gets up in the middle of the night, uses the restroom, tries to go back to bed, falls over dead. And this just kind of happens over there. It's not uncommon. So they look like, all right, was it a heart attack? Was it a stroke? Like, what was it? No cause. Um, so the voodoo witch doctor slash um, chief calls up the church planner and says, okay, I want you to come back. I need to talk to you. So the church planner marches back up, and he comes, and <laughs> the chief says, okay, I'll take that church. And not only will I send my people in the village to it, my family's going to go to it, and I might even go to it. So I'm going to end with this and say Luke 10.2. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You can see that the harvest is plentiful in Togo. It's plentiful here. But we have to be the workers that go out into the harvest field. So, I just want to say thank you so much for sending me on this trip and for all your prayers and support. Um, it was like every other day that I was getting a text, someone asking what they could be praying for. Um, and prayer makes a difference. We all know that. So thank you for sending me. And may we all be willing to be workers in his harvest field here or around the world. Thank you. I don't know about you, but 
my heart is challenged by all that Maitland has shared and just this, this thought of the lostness that's all around us and just this thought of our posture before the Lord, just with hands wide open, just hands saying, God, what do you have for me? And there are things that we know uh, about. And I heard about the, the high school student and just thinking about 200 people coming to Christ. And I think about the, the influence and the, the purpose and the way that God could use a group of believers that are open-handed to him and say, you know what? I understand that we have a purpose in the midst of this life that you've not uh, just simply saved us and taken out of us out of this world, but you desire, that God desires to use us in the midst of this world to proclaim the good news of his name, that he doesn't need us, that he doesn't uh, have to have us, but he chooses uh, to allow us to be part of the work that he's doing. And many of you may have received one of these um, little bulletins as you came in, and if not, you can pick one up on the way out. You'll see the kind of the images on the screen, uh, but in Matthew chapter 28, we see these words, and we're going to do something called 411, and it's designed to be a teaching that's done uh, with four, uh, four basic questions that takes place in, uh, in an hour, and it takes one sheet of paper, and it's this training that would help uh, people to learn to uh, share the gospel and learn to see their role in the midst of that. And so it comes first with this question, why is it that we share the gospel? Why is it that we uh, go? Why is it that we share? And the first thing is, as Maitland shared, is because Jesus commanded us to. Uh, you'll see the verses on the screen, but Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And, and what a great promise, lo, I will be with you even unto the end of the age. Jesus commands us to, and we see, uh, as you see on your handout in 2 Corinthians 5, we see that not only is this the command of Jesus, but this is uh, part of who we are, right? This is our identity. We think about why we share the good news of the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, uh, beginning in verse 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away and behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world into himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Jesus has, has reconciled us, right? Verse 21, it says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He has reconciled us. He has forgiven us. He has uh, brought us back into relationship with the Father. And if you are in Christ, one of the Two things that we see in that passage, there's so much in there, but in verse 17, we see that you are new. And in verse 20, we see that not only are you new, but you are his ambassador, that you are uh, on mission, that you are uh, an ambassador for Christ, declaring uh, his message to this world, right? That we represent the sovereign, right? That we are an ambassador of Christ. And the truth is that those two things can't be separated. If you are an ambassador, then you've been made new. And if you've been made new, then you are an ambassador for Christ. So who do we tell, right? We see that we have this, this, this reality that we are to share the good news of the gospel. And who do we tell? On the second page of your handout, you'll see an Oikos map. And so Maitland shared uh, from Luke chapter 10, and I want to read verse 1 and 2 
to you this morning, but it says, now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. And so he was sending them out into every city, every place that he was going to go. And as Jesus would send them out, he was telling them to pray for laborers and to go into uh, those places and to look for uh, houses of peace. He told them, hey, don't uh, take all these things with you, right? You're going to be dependent. And when you go, uh, don't get caught up on the road. He said, there's an urgency about what you're doing, right? Don't get distracted. Don't be uh, in the midst of this. You're going to go and you're, you're searching for people of peace. You're searching uh, for, for households of peace. You're searching for those that would be receptive to the the messenger and that would be receptive to the message. And those places would become uh, oikos. Those places would become households that would be uh, places that the gospel could go forth. That those would be uh, places, right? Those that would receive that message and then would use their influence in the declaring of that message. And I want to talk to you a little bit about what that might look like in our time, right? This word oikos, it's a word in the Greek that simply means household. And in uh, this time or in, in Jesus's time, the thought of a household was bigger than what we imagine it in our perspective. It would have included servants. It would have in included uh, all of those that were within that circle of influence, right? Extended family, uh, everyone else that was in the home. And, and we see this picture of this circle of influence that they had. And they were looking for those kind of people. People, those people who would take their circle of influence in the place that God's placed them and would use it for the glory of his name. What would it look like if high school students and middle school students and elementary school students said, you know what, uh, I may or may not enjoy school and I may or may not uh, like everything about all these situations, but I want to take this platform and this place that God has given me and I want to use it for the glory of his name. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray over the circle of influence that I have and I'm going to share uh, and, and, and ask God to draw these people to himself and to share the good news of the gospel. And so I want to encourage you to look at this thought of an Oikos map. And so this map simply is just some bubbles that you can see on there. You'll see a, a, a one of the bubbles there has a little line in it, and that's where your name uh, could go. And so here's this thought that we would write in people that are far from God, that are in our family. So I want you to think for just a minute of the people that you would write in that. And I want to, I want to encourage you to be intentional for the sake of time. I'm not going to pause and have us do that in this moment. But I, but I want you to think of people that are in your life, family members that are far from God, people uh, that are in your circle of influence on your football team or on your track team or on your, uh, in your, your band or in uh, your classroom, people that are in your workplace, people that, are, uh, that you are connected with because you get gas at the gas station that they work at, people that are around, family members, friends, those that are in your circle of influence that are far from God. And this thought would be that, that, that we would pray over these people, that we would list these people out. If you look at the one, you'll see one that has some names filled in. And so here's this thought that in this situation, there's the guy in the middle and he's got a friend named Sam. Maybe Sam is somebody that he works out with at the gym. And so Sam's far from God and he writes his name in. David is a, a person that he uh, is uh, connected with through uh, his, his work relationships. And so he writes David down. David's far from God, doesn't know Jesus. Chris is his uh, family member. It's his cousin, and he doesn't know Jesus. So he writes his name down. Phil uh, is his brother-in-law. Phil married Tracy, and they moved. And she works at the University of Wisconsin. And so there's this thought of not only is it the people that he has influence in, like Phil, who married Tracy, who works at the University of Wisconsin, but has two kids named Chris and Jenny, and then their circle of influence. And you could go on and on with this thought of the people that we have influence in their 
lives, right? God has given us influence in their lives for the glory of his name. Uh, A lot of times we know them. We know what's going on in their lives. We understand things uh, about them that we can be praying for, ways that we can connect. And it's on my heart that every person in our church would sit down and say, you know what? These are the people that I have influence in in my life. These are the people that God has brought into uh, this network of believers. And, and I want to, of, of people that I have the ability to engage with that don't know Jesus. And I want you to pray over these people. It may be that you want to make a big poster of these people and say, you know what? Every day I'm going to pray over them. You'll see on page three uh, some ways that you can share the gospel. You'll see examples of that on our Sharing Jesus page online or through the app. Uh, you'll see the three circles that we used last week. Maitland gave you an example of the bridge, which is on the back page of this uh, illustration. But there's a blank on the back that says when. And so these questions, right, why, who, how, right? We've seen examples of that today. But the question is when, right? And when are we going to pray over these people? Because sometimes we have the best of intentions, but we never uh, follow through it. So I want to encourage you to consider right now in this moment, what time of day, when will I pray over my oikos? When will I pray over the circle of influence in my life? When will I pray over this map? And I thought uh, this morning, what would it look like for us to pray uh, at 10.02 every day as a body of believers that we would pray for God to send laborers into the harvest? Because we look out and the, the harvest is plentiful, right? But the laborers, the workers are few. And what would it look like that we would pray every day, maybe 10.02 in the morning, 10.02 at night, depending on what your schedule looks like, and that we would pray over our oikos over those that God has laid on our heart. When will we share the gospel, right? That's the second blank. When will we do that? I want you to think about the intentionality of those things. You know, we were on vacation a few weeks back and uh, had the blessing of uh, staying at this campground. And and in this campground, they had uh, just a really neat ministry that was there. They had a chaplain that was there and they would do events that would draw people in and then he would share his testimony. And I just loved the, the, the concept and the way that uh, he was engaging. And we were uh, out at the beach and there was a uh, guy there, uh, a friend that I now have named Jesse. And Jesse was uh, a special, had some special needs that uh, he was walking through and, and just a really neat young man, but he had just a heart of gold, right? And as we met, he told me that night, he said, I'm going to go sing at karaoke. And so we had plans, but I said, you know what? I'm going to go see Jesse sing at karaoke, right? And so we went to this event that they were having and, and Jesse uh, got up there and, you know, we think about the brokenness of this world and he had his, his cousin that was with him and his cousin had lost his mother tragically. He was the same age as, as my little boy, Grant, And Jesse had told me about this little boy and his mother passing away. And he said, I'm going to sing for him tonight. And so I got there and Jesse was the first one. And he had signed up and he got up there and he sang, I could only imagine. Man, as he sung, it wasn't the most beautiful, maybe the the way his voice, but I'm telling you, man, his heart was just in tune with the Lord. And I'd had the blessing of being able to hang out with him some that week. And and when I was talking to him, I said, uh, hey, can I tell you a story? And so I had the blessing of sharing the gospel with Jesse. And uh, Jesse shared with me that he had uh, placed his faith and trust in Jesus, right? And he was a believer. And, and we just rejoiced in that. And I was talking to him about his cousin. I said, what about your cousin? And he said, I don't know. I never asked him. And I said, uh, well, maybe I'll get a chance to talk to him this week. I said, I hope there'll be a good time. Well, that night at the karaoke, we had rented a little golf cart, and we were sitting on the little golf cart, and Jesse had sung, and then other people were doing their thing, and, and uh, 
his buddy or his cousin came up and sat by me on the golf cart, and Hope and Grant were behind me, and he uh, walked up to me instantly, and he leaned over in my ear, and he said, now be a good time. <laughs> then he just politely grabbed Hope and Grant and said, come with me, and he just kind of cleared everybody out. And I thought, you know, he, he got up and he sung about his Lord. There was no shame in anything that he did. He had a boldness. And I thought, man, I should be, a, you know, if I could be a little bit more like him. And I had the privilege of sharing the gospel with, with his cousin. And he didn't come to Christ in those moments. But uh, we've been able to stay connected and, and stay connected with that family. But what would it look like for us to be people that are saying, you know what, I recognize God has called me. He has saved me by his grace and goodness. And he allows me to be part of the work that he's doing. He desires that I might proclaim the good news of the gospel, that I might live on mission for the glory of his name, that I might walk with open hands. And that's really the challenge from Maitland today. To me, I think about really how open are my hands, God. How attentive are we? And I think about 200 students that came to Christ because somebody was obedient to God. I think about those that Maitland with her shoe in the sand as she drug out a bridge illustration, right? Not because Maitland is great. And I love Maitland and she's wonderful, right? But it's because her God is great. And she was being obedient to him and she had her hands open. She said, God, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to go where you send me, Lord. I'm willing to say, Lord, and I'm willing to pray. I'm willing to prepare. I'm willing to proclaim the gospel because it is the power of God into salvation. We see in Romans 1.16, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Man, I think about Jesse, and I thought, man, how unashamed he was about anything, how, how unashamed and how just abandoned he was. And then I said, Lord, what would it be like for us to do that? And so when's a good time? And I believe there's so many times in my life that the Holy Spirit has come up beside me and whispered, now's a good time. Now's a good time. I want to invite you uh, just into a time of worship. It's my hope that we will respond, that we might, and I've been challenged by the words that Maitland has shared by her heart as she uh, just desires to be obedient to the Lord. And I'm reminded that Sometimes it's not as plain as we might think. Like she said, I'm, I'm kind of hoping for this. Ex this is exactly what you want me to do. But I know what God does want us to do. The scripture says that we are his workmanship, that we've been created uh, for good works in Christ Jesus, right? That, that, that he uh, has, if we're in Christ, that we are an ambassador for him, that we are new. You know, Apostle Paul, last week as we read and finished out kind of a spiritual warfare series, we saw Paul's uh, desire for them to pray for him. And he recognized, he said, I'm an ambassador in chains, even the difficult spot that he was in. It wasn't this thing that said, hey, you know what? Woe is me because I'm in the mix of this mess. But he said, you know what? I'm an ambassador in chains. And there's a, there's, there are people that are chained to me and I'm gonna declare the good news of the gospel. And I pray God would use my circumstances for the furtherment of the gospel. And he found joy in that. And it's my heart that we, as his people, would say, Lord, our hands are open. Some of our circumstances we don't understand. Some of our, the situations in our life we, we don't always like. But, God, I pray, Lord, that you would allow me, Lord, to share the good news of the gospel. Lord, that, that you would tell me that you would, God, that you would send me where you want to send me. 
And you know, when we think about all this, somehow when we hear somebody like Maitland that says, you know what, I'm just open-handed to the Lord. If it's in Togo, if it's right here in Franklin, we hear those things and there's something about that that stirs our heart and we feel like it's radical obedience. But I want you to understand something. It is the expectation of every believer that surrenders their life to Jesus Christ. There's only room for one Lord. There's only room for one Lord in any of our lives, and he demands complete and total allegiance. And as Maitland said, there is nothing that we could want for ourselves that could be near as good as what he has for us. And so my heart is that we would respond with open hands, that we would respond with surrender. fact is, in Romans 12, it says that this, this response of surrender, this response of of sacrifice, right, is really our reasonable act of worship. It's our reasonable response. In light of all that God's done, in light of his mercy in our life, our reasonable response to that is sacrifice. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, in light of what God's done in my life, in light of what God's done in your life, that we would present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, right, that we would desire to have a purity in our lives, that we would take serious Right? I mean, I'm, I'm convicted that, you know, hey, there's a Saturday night, and I know I'm going to be standing up here. It's like on Saturday night, and I say, Lord, I want you to make, I want to confess any sin. I want to make sure that I come before uh, people uh, with a clean hands and with a pure heart, God, that I would come in that way. But I want you to understand something every day of our life, right? We ought to desire to live in holiness and purity. We ought to desire to come before God in, in surrender to him, that we would live that way. And it says that that is our reasonable act of worship. And so our reasonable response this morning to the gospel that we've received is to just open our hands and say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Not a prayer this morning that says, God, you tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it, but a prayer that says, God, my hands are open. Whatever it is, Lord, I'm yours. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful, Lord, for this moment, God, that we have, Lord, to respond to, God, how your spirit is speaking to our hearts. Lord, I thank you for Maitland in the way uh, Lord, that her obedience has challenged my heart, God. And I pray, Lord, that this would not uh, be something that we look at as radical obedience, Lord, or something that we look at and say, this person's willing to give up this, Lord, in order to, to go on the mission field or in order to serve. But, Lord, we would look at it as normal for followers of Jesus Christ to be willing, Lord, to deny themselves and to take up your cross and to follow you. Lord, for your will to become their will. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would use us in such a way, Lord, that it would shake this community, Lord, that it would, uh, Lord, that we would see, Lord, some students this morning, God, that, 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 Lord, catch a burden, Lord, from you, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts, God, that you would call them, Lord, into their schools, Lord, to declare the good news of who you are, God, that they would begin to pray, Lord, that they would begin to, to pray for specific people, Lord, in their lives, and that they would prepare and proclaim the good news of the gospel, Lord, and may we all Lord, desire that same thing. Lord, that we would be obedient to you. Lord, you tell us that our obedience is a reflection of our love for you. And Lord, as we come and worship you, God, we, God, we pray, Lord, that we would love you even more. God, that we would respond with humble obedience. And Lord, that you would see fit to use us however you desire. God, I pray for anyone here, Lord, that has never surrendered their life to you, Lord. There's no room but for one king, for one Lord. 
And God, I pray, Lord, that this morning, God, that there might be someone here that would surrender their life to you, God, that would, that would desire, Lord, to, to lean in and talk and look about what it, what it really means to follow you, Lord, that, that they would repent of their sin, Lord, and turn and trust you for salvation. God, we pray for your will and way in every life. And, Lord, we declare, Lord, that you are worthy, Lord, of every bit of our praise, of every bit of our lives, Lord. And we pray, God, that we would humbly worship you in sacrificial obedience. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning?